All right. Hello, Adams Ward podcast fans. I am sitting here tonight with Jane Kessler. She is sort of newish to our Adams Ward, and I'm excited to be here with her tonight. It is November 8th, 2023. So just like to throw that in for posterity sake that you'll know that one day when you had that conversation. So Jane, why don't you start by telling us some of the highlights of your childhood, like where you grew up and your siblings and your family and things you'd like to do? Okay, thank you for this opportunity. I grew up in West Lawn, Pennsylvania. I was the oldest of seven children. My parents joined the church when I was almost two on my younger sister's first birthday. When the missionaries came to our house, they knocked on the door. My mom answered, and she told them to come back later when my dad would be home. And when my dad got home and found out what she'd done, he had a cow And he said, I don't really want to talk to them. And then she said, my mother is like the most pleasant, even-tempered, righteous, non-swearing person I've ever known. And she said to him, does a woman have to follow her husband to hell? (laughs) And he he realized she was serious about this. And so he said, okay. And he listened. And they both got a testimony and they joined the church. So my dad played music constantly in our home, classical, jazz, Broadway, musicals, etc. My mother taught me how to play the piano. She had a degree in piano and organ music education, and she encouraged me to sing and play the piano. When I got into junior high, the choir consisted of about six people. I didn't join the second year. When I got to high school, I announced to my mother that I never wanted to sing in another choir. My mom reminded me that I had told her I wanted to be a choir director, and then I realized that was true, and I changed my mind. (laughs) Two young women in my ward who lived close to me arranged an audition for our high school choir midway through the first quarter of my freshman year. The teacher made me memorize a very, very difficult soprano, soprano, alto, alto, tenor, tenor, bass, bass, S-S-A-A-T-T-B-B song, and just to be able to audition. He let me in both the regular and the select choir after my audition. I was an alto. Early morning seminary started when I was in 10th grade because we didn't have a teacher in 9th grade. And our ward had just recently become a ward. And uh, when I was little, we met in the Odd Fellows Hall and then the YMCA. And we were a little tiny branch. And it was like everybody was so close because everyone had joined the church except for two ladies from South, from Southern Utah, who really were our mentors growing up. So, um, but we went in 10, I went to 10th grade seminary early morning. We went to our bishop's home at 6.30 a.m. He was a guru for Bell Telephone and devised a phone device where we could call the family that lived too far to travel, and they could hear us, and we could hear them eating their cereal in their pajamas as we all participated in seminary together virtually. That was in 1968. In 11th grade, I decided I wanted to take voice lessons at Westchester State College. I had to work to pay for my own lessons, folding pantyhose at Berkshire Knitting Mills after school, which later became the original Vanity Fair. One, and it also became the outlets. 
One week, two of my high school friends wanted to go with me to my voice lesson. As I drove on the turnpike, the engine light went on. I didn't know anything about what to do and kept driving until the engine ceased. There were no cell phones. We didn't know what to do. A large station wagon filled with semi-drunk, beer-drinking hunters with a dead deer on the roof stopped to help us. We all sat on their laps and they drove us to my lesson. I called my dad from there so he could drive an hour to drive us home and then go back and pick up the car with the tow truck. My parents were very faithful in keeping their covenants and loved the Lord. They were a very good example of being faithful servants to God. That's awesome. What a great story. So the next question on our our flyer is, how did you choose a professional path then? I chose music because it was the thing I did best. I majored in music composition at BYU, and I got an endorsement to teach. While there, I wrote a piece of S-S-A-A-T-T-B-B choir. Can, can I stop? What does that mean? That means soprano, soprano, alto, alto. So two parts for soprano, two parts for alto, two parts for tenor, and two parts for bass. Wow, okay. So I, I wrote a piece in one of my composition. well, I at home, but I shared it with my teacher in my composition uh, lesson and my um so my composition teacher recommended unbeknownst to me <clears throat> the piece to BYU acapella choir director Ralph Woodward Dr. Woodward then invited the choir he said does anyone know of a piece that would be a great ending to our upcoming um December concert and so I told him the piece that my high school director had made me memorize, which was Festival Magnificat, because it really was a great piece. And not knowing that my own piece had been, had been recommended to him. He then asked the choir another day, this, uh, to, does anyone know a piece that could end the concert? And I thought, I guess he didn't want that piece. And the spirit kept continued to whisper to me that I should share this piece that I had written, but self-doubt told me, no, he would laugh in my face. But the spirit persisted, and finally I approached him and said that I had written a piece, and I would like to show him that might be okay for the Christmas concert. He dropped everything immediately, including lunch with his diabetic wife, and took me right in his office, He used, and then he used my piece at the end of our Christmas concert. After the choir concert, the head of the opera department, Clay Robinson, came up to me and commissioned me to write an opera for the following spring series of um, chamber operas. Murray Bourne, a fellow student, gave me his libretto that he had written. It was about a lady, Linda, who was in depression. It's before depression was ever really acknowledged in Utah. And so the progression of the libretto it was just like a downward spiral. And so it kind of set kind of a, like got everybody thinking about depression as a real thing. And it was just, it it was just kind of hard to do, but it needed to be done. It was performed um, also at the time, same with Murray Bourne's opera, Emer. Okay, so you pursued music, obviously. So what did you do with your degree? So then I got a teaching degree, and I taught, 
And then I composed several pieces. Like I've composed several cantatas that were performed in stakes, different different stakes. Um, I've composed a lot of sacred music that I've shared with people to sing in sacrament meeting. Um, I've really focused more on the sacred music. That's mm-hmm. just um, what I like to do that testifies of Jesus. And so I've, you know, I've, I still, I'm still working on getting a website so I can give it to people, but I haven't got that far because I don't know the technology, but that's what I want to do before it's true. So you re- you received your degree at BYU. Yes. And then I got a master's from the University of Utah, also in music composition. Later. And so where did you teach then? Oh, I taught three years in Nebo District. Then I went on my mission and then I got married and I planned to not teach again. But then as we'll go farther, I'll explain what happened with that. But okay. Yeah. Well, great. Well, then I'll ask you then, let's talk about how you met your husband and, okay. and your family. Well, I met Jay the day after re- I returned home from my mission to Hong Kong. My father worked as a chemist for Firestone for 26 years. He was over two laboratories. And while I was serving, they chose to move to the plant that he worked in Pottstown to Ohio. And my father didn't want to move to Ohio, so he took an early retirement. And then he got a job as a plant manager owned by a former vendor from his work in Potts, in Bucks County, and he bought a home there while I was serving. My mom had written me about her wonderful new home teacher, Jay Kessler, and that I should get to know him. He had joined the church while I was in the MTC. On Mother's Day, the day after I returned, Jay asked me if I was going to a fireside that night. He was over the single adults. I was afraid to go and made up excuses like, I don't have a car. I don't know anyone. I don't know where it is. And he said, well, I can drive you. I know the way and you know me, which I really didn't yet. But I told him I would ask my sister and if she would go too, then I would go. And he called back that afternoon. My, my sister was like, no. I'm not going to go. She was 19. This was, I was 27 at the time. And I I couldn't talk her into it. And he called me and he said, is she going to go? Are you coming? I said, no, she won't go. We'll try harder. I'll call you back in a few minutes. And then I said, I said to myself, I thought I said no. <laughs> and so anyway, he called back and I said, Carol, he's not accepting no, you have to go. And so she relented. And a few months ago, she told me that it was worth it just to get me married off. <laughs> so anyway, but when in the car, she sat between two guys and one had major B.O. and put his arm around her. And the other was just t- constantly talking about Mount, Mount St. Helens because it had just had a it had just erupted, and I looked back, and her her face was not too pleasant. <laughs> but we so anyway, we were married almost exactly five months later in the Washington D.C. temple. One day at my parents' home, the spirit burned me up. I knelt and I asked Heavenly Father, "Dear Heavenly Father, what was that?" This is before I was married. 
during the courting time, I actually heard words. This relationship you have with Jay Kessler is good. Keep it going. The next minute, the phone rang. It was Jay calling me if I could help him. His car had died. The car that we were supposed to drive to the temple in next day, a four-hour trip to Kensington, Maryland from Chalfont, PA. We used my father's car the next day and all worked out well. But at that point, I knew that he was the right person for me, even though he didn't know it. And I didn't tell him. He had to find it out on his own, or I never would have told him, but uh, that really was amazing. We have two wonderful children. Rachel's in our ward now. We enjoy living close to her family and her. Rachel's always been loved by many friends. She has developed into a wonderful wife, mother, daughter, and therapist. She helped me when I taught school, and she was living with us, waiting to go on her mission to Brazil. I was suddenly not only the choir teacher at my school at Hunter Jr., but now also the drama teacher. We were performing Bye Bye Birdie that year, and I asked Rachel to please do the blocking for the show that year. She worked beautifully with the kids, and then she left for Brazil before the show ran, but the kids remembered everything she told them, and it was a full house for each of our shows. The kids loved her so much, they featured her in a 2004 yearbook in drama. She really has a gift for drama, working with youth, and staging a show, as well as singing and dancing. Ben, his first word was ball, and how he loved to play every game imaginable. That included a ball. He and Jay would play and fish and do all sorts of activities, like camping together. Ben and I had a special bond. He was a very discerning young man. He also served a mission in Brazil, When he came home, he worked for Vivint while while finishing his English degree from BYU Provo. He then chose to get his law degree at Creighton in Omaha, as his dad had done. He now works as an attorney in Washington, D.C., as one of the six assistant counsels to the main council of the health and human services of the government. He is married but does not have children. So you have all of your grandchildren here with Rachel. Yep. That's wonderful. Yes, it's a blessing. All right. Well, then, can you tell us about a couple of turning points in your life? Before my mission, I was engaged to my home teacher, a very talented fellow who spoke five languages, played the piano, was a certified teacher, and an RN. He worked at the hospital in Provo. When we got engaged, he decided to enlist in the Navy to learn Russian so he could be a top-secret translator and spy for the country. We planned our wedding. He had been a member for only three years. He was from Pennsylvania. And I was shocked that all, all of us to find out that he didn't want to go to the temple and be sealed. I didn't know I didn't want to be married without being sealed. I was too shy to break up with him and I was telling my best friend a Catholic from where I grew up in Pennsylvania and she said, "Let me write the letter to him. I know just what to say." So after he received the letter, he broke up with me immediately and I was so relieved because I didn't have to break up with him because I was kind of afraid 
that what might happen, you know, if if I did, broke up. So I just so was your glad. Friend, your friend. So my friend the wrote the letter, but he I he he I signed it. <laughs> I didn't read it. I didn't really. Anyway, I didn't internalize what the letter said, so I don't really know. But then I decided to serve a mission and went to Hong Kong. And while I was there, this guy took an R and R break to Japan with a stop in Hong Kong. And he came to the mission office looking for me drunk. My mission president later told me about it. And then he said, I took care of it for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so anyway, I was blessed by keeping God's commandments and waiting to be sealed. Another decision was to join the Tabernacle Choir. I was able to serve for almost 14 years, counting the audition and choir school year. What a blessing it was. I got in the choir when my youngest son was in his senior year, so I didn't have to leave small children on Sunday morning. It totally changed my life because every Sunday morning I was singing and so many, so many blessings. I got to sing with the 2002 Olympics, the um, Nauvoo Temple dedication, um, General conference alone, being in the presence of the authorities and the prophet, it was wonderful. And that was a great time. That would be really cool. Cool turning point. So what are a couple of decisions that have dramatically impacted your life? Well, I think that those was were those? the okay. decision to marry in the temple and, and, and join the choir. choir. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So tell us then, how did you gain a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ? When I went to BYU Provo, we had to take Book of Mormon for the first two semesters. I had to read the Book of Mormon in seminary growing up, but not all at once. And of course, I procrastinated my reading till the night before the final, the first final of the first semester. It was December 1971. I had to sign the next day when I took the test that I had read the entire Book of Mormon completely, well, that first half completely through. And I hadn't yet, but I was not willing to say that the next day. So I wasn't willing to say I didn't read it. So I stayed up all night in the laundry room of Gates Hall and read the entire first half as was required. All night, I felt the spirit stronger than I'd ever felt before. By the time I was finished, I knew this, I knew, I knew by the Spirit that it was true as well as Joseph Smith was a true prophet and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints was the only true church on earth. That's wonderful. So, what has nurtured your testimony throughout these years then? Well, as I've lived many more years, my testimony of many of the principles of the gospel has come and strengthened my testimony. As it would, yes. So, <clears throat> is there anything specific that has helped you to trust in God over the years? Yes, several experiences, many, but the Lord gives you trials, and then that, then if you persevere in faithfulness, then come the blessings, and you see that it was a plan, and and if you follow His way, then you're blessed. As we have gone through great adversity, it has made me trust God all the more when we continued faithfully to our covenants and saw God's hand blessing our life. When Rachel and Ben were little, Jay owned a heating air and refrigeration company. 
called Kessler Heat Pump and Refrigeration. He couldn't, he could fix and install anything and even did a lot of commercial work. Then he got bit by a tick and got Lyme disease. It was the time when nobody knew about it. He had it for about two years and almost died before a doctor finally gave him a Western blot titer test. And it showed that he really had it for a very long time. He was finally able to get some antibiotic relief, but at this time he was no longer able to do the rigors of the physical work. I had to return to teaching when my children were in fourth and second grade as we moved to Utah to be closer to my parents. I taught junior high school choir, and Jay got his bachelor's from U of U in speech communication and political science. We started out in an apartment. After a year, we moved into a real house in Riverton so that we'd have a real house to live in. We started out in an apartment, but after the year when we moved into the house in Riverton, um, the guy that Jay had worked with in the stake as stake when Jay was um, a, a counselor or worked with the stake mission leader, the mission leader owned a whole apartment complex. And I guess he knew that Jay could, you know, take care of all of their heating, air conditioning, uh, equipment. And so he gave, he, so we moved there. We were, so actually, I'm going to just go back and just say, so he hired Jay to do all of the complex heating, air conditioning, and in exchange, he gave us a free apartment. Oh, terrific. And so we, you know, we were, he was a student, I was teaching, we had two kids. This was a great blessing for us financially to just, you know, have the money that we needed at that time. When he graduated from U of U, he got into Creighton Law School and we moved to Nebraska. I taught there for three years. We found a house right away. It was a really nice house that we loved. But one Friday night, Jay had a scouting activity in our backyard. Our house faced a park and we had only one neighbor to the right of us. That night, the neighbor had visitors stopping and getting into their mailbox all night long. And Jay immediately began to look for another house to rent. He found a house that had been moved and placed far out in the country on a gravel road. It was a big, beautiful house. We moved there. Finally, Jay got his law degree, and then we moved back to Utah to remain closer to my parents. It was a challenge for all of us, but we chose to be grateful and willing to serve the Lord and were blessed with great opportunities to be of service. Jay was able to set up a practice in Utah, set up a weekly pro bono law clinic at the homeless shelter in Salt Lake. He was asked to serve extensively in the church. I was able to get in the tabernacle choir and our children Learn to make friends and keep the old. They also had challenges to overcome as curriculums varied as they had to attend various schools along the way. Yeah, that certainly would. Wow. So we've gone through these questions pretty quick. You've been very prepared. Thank you. So is there something that you've thought of before we close? Something else you'd like to add? I could ask the last answer of the last question. Before we answer, ask, oh. answer that, is there something you'd like to add? No. No? Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Well, do you have any questions? No, I'm just trying to. I, as I sit, I like to kind of plot out where your what your, where your life has been and where it's taken you. So, where did Jay grow up? I know this is kind of his podcast. Jay grew up but, in Northeast Philadelphia. And then you met in Philadelphia. That's where you were. No, my parents had moved to the um to Ohio. to take. No, they didn't move to Ohio because he didn't want to oh, move there. Right. They moved to Chalfont, Pennsylvania while I was on my mission, Bucks County. And Jay had just joined the church while I was in the MTC, and he was really a strong, newly baptized mm-hmm. member, and he was a great home teacher. He helped them move from Reading to their new house in Chalfont, and um, just he was just— you know, my mother just really loved him so much. And, um, and so. So you had come home from your mission and that's the location that he was at. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then later after we left Magna, um, that's when we were going to be serving in the Philippines after Jay was released and I was out of the choir. We were going to serve a mission in Philippines. Then we bought a house in Texas. That's where Rachel and Matt lived at the time. And in and so we we were there for six months and then we got our visa to go because they were they told us our mission would probably be virtual the whole time. I would be what, tell us what year was that? That was twenty twenty one. On your to the Philippines. You got a call to the Philippines. Yeah. And so I was the secretary of the mission and Jay was asked to do all the housing and we were gonna do it virtually. Then in December, we got our visa all of a sudden and off we went in January and we rented our house. And then we didn't know that Rachel was pregnant with Ben at the time, our, her fifth child. And she'd had, you know, some miscarriages. And mm-hmm. so she, she didn't want to tell people mm-hmm. right away. So, but when we got there and found out, and then they got an opportunity to, they, we always knew that they were going to end up here in Spokane from the day they got married. We just knew. And so we moved there knowing, we bought the house knowing that we're going to be going someday to Spokane. So then they moved. They had an opportunity. They could keep their jobs virtually and they sold their house. They were able to get a house here. And so then we, when our renters left, we sold the house in Texas. Are you still on your mission though? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we were in the Philippines. We got the same realtor that's we got that sold us the house and he he sold someone else our house. And then um Matt's aunt is a really good realtor in this area, Sue Wilford, and they she and Rachel came and looked at a lot of houses and then she found this house for us and so we're very grateful. It's very close to the temple. It's just down the street from where they live. It's close to our ward. And it has lots of storage and great kitchen. And we're very happy here. And so did they really, buy this house while you were still serving on your mission? Yes. Yes. So as soon as we sold the house in Texas, they found this house. And then we just wired the money to the title company here. We saw it on uh, Zillow. We walked <laughs> through it on Zillow. That's how we saw it. And the same wow. with Texas. Wow. We saw that on online too. We didn't see it before we bought it. That was a, a really good house. But then we, um, when we came home, we just came here and now we're still moving in. But we're so grateful that there's a wonderful ward choir 
and we're grateful for our, the great state choir and they're, we're preparing for a Christmas concert and uh, grateful for the camaraderie in our ward and um, the wonderful people that live here and just everyone seems to be followers of Jesus Christ and down to earth and welcoming and loving and we're so happy to be here. And That's serve great. in every, whatever way we can. So we serve now every Thursday afternoon in the temple, at the Spokane Temple, and we really love that. So we just love it here. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, good. That helps me kind of see your, where you've been. So in closing, we do like to close with this question, and it is, what does it mean? What does being a follower of Christ mean to you? What I believe that a true follower of Jesus Christ strives to listen and follow the constant prompting, promptings of the Holy Ghost, and then acts on these promptings, allowing God to lead your life. As you strive to do this, there are times when you don't listen and you mess up. As we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent, we gain manifestations from the Spirit of His redeeming love for us. And as we treasure up those tender mercies and the knowledge that we gain from those manifestations of the Spirit, we stand as a witness to bear witness that He lives, He loves us individually, and He has redeemed us through His love. As one example, when I went through the temple the first time to go on my mission, there was no class to help me understand I was lost in understanding the symbolism of the temple ordinances. It was a few years into our marriage, and I still had no clue what it was all about. I prayed for understanding of what everything meant. I felt so frustrated, even though I felt great peace when I was in there. It was one of those temple trips when I was doing an endowment. All of a sudden, I heard a perfect lyric baritone voice singing, I stand all amazed, directly behind me. There was nobody there that could be seen. I felt the spirit of the word so strong. After a few measures, I joined him in singing in my mind. The officiator's expression was one of great awe, and he wept as he looked at the person behind me. I know the Savior lives. That hymn taught me everything I needed to understand about the temple ceremonies. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I bear witness that He has experienced every possible scenario from our lives personally when He knelt in Gethsemane. Further, He gave His life in love to redeem us all as He beckons, Come follow me. I will obey Him faithfully. That's beautiful. Thank you. I do have to ask one question, though. Okay. <clears throat> That's not on the list. Oh, sure. So in your time in the in the Tabernacle Choir, what was your most favorite song to sing? Wow. I, I have to say, Come Thou Font, because just every single time I sent, every, every single time I sang it, I cried, mm. and, the, and the message of the song of redemption just 
I could feel the Holy Ghost so strong when I sang that song. And the other one would be Glory, um, Glory in Excelsis at Christmas. Mm. I remember the first time I ever heard it, and it's a Mac Wilberg arrangement. And I was in the male chorus at BYU before he was a BYU teacher, and I heard that, that song. And the spirit was so strong. And and then when I got to sing it, and they always did it with a guest, you know, artist. Um, it, it's just, it's a song that just testifies of the Savior. And I guess music is a real conduit for me to feel the Holy Ghost. So just that feeling. Uh, and then, of course, just there are so many times when I felt the Spirit in songs that I sang you know, and I was always a crying idiot in there, you know. Mm. <laughs> I just couldn't help myself because what can you do if, if you're crying, you know? So I would try to relax my body so I wouldn't go to the ugly cry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I would just allow the tears to roll down my face and pray that they didn't get me on camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me tonight. I appreciate Thank it, Thank you Jane. for coming. Yeah. Thank you. And for this opportunity. Thank you. 